0: You're listening to Factual America. This podcast is produced by Alamo Pictures, a production company specializing in documentaries, television, and shorts about the USA for international audiences. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Alamo Pictures to be the first to hear about new productions, festivals we're attending, and how to connect with our team. Our homepage is alamopictures.co.uk. And now, enjoy Factual America with our host, Matthew Sherwood.
1: Welcome to Factual America, the podcast that explores America through the lens of documentary filmmaking. I'm your host, Matthew Sherwood, and I will be interviewing documentary filmmakers, their subjects, and subject matter matter experts in the fields of politics, history, uh, culture, And uh, today we have uh, Kevin Turley, who certainly uh, fits the bill. Uh, Kevin is an award-winning journalist and broadcaster. He has worked previously in film. And in a previous life, he tells me he was a film critic. So we've brought uh, Kevin in for our inaugural uh, Alamo Pictures uh, podcast to talk to us about The Salesman the uh, seminal documentary by Albert and David uh, Mazels from, uh, I think it was released in 1969, I believe. Um, You may know the Mazel brothers. They uh, did Grey Gardens. uh, uh, All the boomers out there will know them for Give Me Shelter, the film about uh, Altamont and uh, and the Rolling Stones. Um, And I think... uh, quickly going to ask uh, Kevin here, uh, we'll welcome to the show and ask him why he's chosen the film, but uh, I think the thing he's really going to be looking at as we kick off uh, the Factual America podcast is how this all fits into the arc of documentary filmmaking, uh, especially in the US. So welcome, Kevin.
2: It's very good to be here.
1: It's excellent to, excellent to have you. So uh,
2: why did you choose this film? Well, you know what? When I was traveling here today, I asked myself that. Why did I choose this? Mm. I mean, I love documentary films. Um And I've got so many favorites, but Mm. I don't know, when I was asked to come on the show, for some reason this film just jumped out at me, and I don't know why. I mean, I dread to think that maybe I identify with Paul Brennan.
1: <laughs> We're going to get a little bit more on that uh, in, a, in a few minutes. Uh, for those who uh, haven't seen the film, maybe you can give us a little bit of a, an idea of what, what this is about.
2: Well, this, this, is, this is one of those films where it was made to be a documentary. You know, the, the, yeah. it's, it, it couldn't be a feature film because yeah. there's not much of a plot, really. It's an yeah. observational piece. And, uh, you know, it's a sort of film that the more you watch it... Mm-hmm the more you see in it and yeah. the more you see people's lives starting to, to yeah. unfold on camera. So basically it's about four Bible salesmen yeah. traveling. Originally it starts out in the very cold, snowy northeast of mm-hmm. the United States, I think in in New England or Boston or somewhere like Outside that. Outside of Boston. Right. Yeah. And then they all go to Florida, Yeah, the, the team, you know, and you have this conference where they're sort of, getting them all ready, the National Bible Sellers Conference in Chicago. And then they all go to Florida. And um, it's really just a beautiful observational piece. And, um, you know, if you were making it as as a feature film, you couldn't have chosen the supporting cast of uh, prospective purchasers of this wonderful $350 well, today's money three hundred and fifty dollar Bible.
1: Yeah. Uh, that's based on research here at uh, Factual America. We spent yes, uh, we spare Re- no expense. Gritful we our, our research, the researchers, uh, the researchers yeah.
2: who've uh, yeah. looked that up. But yeah. uh, yes, and watched the film for us as well. Yes, <laughs> no, but it's 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 kind of it's 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 not really about the plot. It's a yeah. character study, and it's a character yeah. study. But it's more than that. It's also a kind of a meditation on the American dream. It
1: is. I mean, we're going to be talking uh, later. Uh, about um the inventor the the story about the Theranos. and I think there, this is a theme Great that keeps film. yeah keep, it's a it's a something that keeps coming up you know in in uh, in the interviews we have i mean so we 've got these four bible salesmen uh, we've got Paul brennan the badger we 've got Charles Mcdevitt the gipper, James Baker the rabbit, and we 've got Raymond martos the bull and i every,
2: mean i mean these names these. are so ridiculous oh yeah yeah exactly
1: <laughs> exactly and they're i mean it 's straight out of i mean well, this is a question we'll get to eventually, uh, very quickly, I think. About uh, does this America even exist anymore? Uh, but maybe we can talk about it now, since.
2: Well, they, I, I mean, you or, know this better than I do, Matthew. But I don't think it does. I I think this is this is a world which is not even pre-internet. You know, yeah, this is a world that is pre-color television. It's a it's an yeah. it's an era of. I mean, I can remember it, you know mm-hmm. women with curlers in their hair, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, everybody seemed to wear every man seemed to wear a white shirt and a, and a black tie mm-hmm. and uh, and they all had haircut I mean this was filmed in 19, late sixty seven, seventy sixty seven. you know this is at the height of the so-called flower power yeah. summer of love, all yeah. of that, and this is a million miles away this this is lower middle class America. Yeah. You know, exposed, and it's Mm -hmm. and it's people. Every single person they seem to meet finds it really difficult to make a dollar a week payment. I mean, that's
1: what's shocking about the the whole thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, but it's it's so it's about poverty. It's about the the sort of folksy way in which they inveigle themselves into homes and into you know and it's this kind of faux religiosity it's not really about religion yeah. at all but it's this you know the, the church has yeah. authorized this yes. which gives it you know supposedly open your wallets, you know I mean, yeah Uh, And it's just this, I mean, the other thing which I I just don't think would happen today is that people are really kind of uh, suffering in saying no to these salesmen. I mean, today people would just say, get lost. I'm not interested. Bible, you must be kidding. Whereas in in this uh, uh, film, you know, women, women, and it's always the housewife, is agonizing about having to say no. And there's that pathetic shot when uh, Paul Brennan pretends to be the supervisor. Yeah. And he says, right. well, I'll have to, I'll have to give Mr. McDevitt a penalty, you know, and yeah, he, tr- yeah, he tries yeah. every emotional yeah. blackmail possible she, to get a
1: dollar a week out of this woman. <laughs> she even asked him, well, how much is the penalty? He says, <laughs> I, I think he says seven pounds and 20 cents. And she's like, oh, oh. But, uh, and then, yeah.
2: But you're right. It's also a world of, uh, black and white TV and it's a world of Muzak, you know, yeah. when they're playing the Muzak in the yeah. car and, uh, it's really, it's really sort of the fading 1960s that people, people think the 1960s was all sort of Woodstock and that. This is yeah. really what the 1960s was, and it was a kind of ending of an era. Um, and um, it's a world that on every single level, the people participating, the people who were mm. there, it's all gone.
1: It's, the, it's sort of the poor man's version of Mad Men. Uh, yes. sort of silent yes. it's the silent majority that yes. that's how Nixon gets elected in 68 that's it, that's it. Um, they're all dressed like they're straight off the cast of Blues Brothers that's you it. know that's that's, it. that's that's the if for you who haven't seen the film that's that's the world
2: yeah but I suspect Matthew that was yeah. 98% of America oh I there think was, there I was mean, the 1% running around Haight Avenue in San Francisco yeah, yeah right yeah. Uh, and uh, upstate New York in the yeah. summer the rest were just doing ordinary jobs living ordinary lives trying to pay the bills yeah
1: and I'll uh, put my hand up. I mean, I'm. Uh, uh, I am would not Maybe just would have been born about the time they were filming this. But I remember the salesman coming to the to the front door, and. My mother agonizing with the with really? the with the encyclopedia wow. salesman and uh, the Fuller brushman and you know these these people are an endangered species. In fact, they must be extinct now. You know they have to be. I mean, who goes <laughs> who buys things? You know, sells things door to door. Well,
2: if you're trying to sell an encyclopedia these days door to door, good luck. <laughs> well, there's pain. even that whole. Most people carry them around in their pockets. It's called Wikipedia. Well,
1: it, I mean, this is as you say, it's not about the Bible. Yes, it, they even give a lot of credit to the Mid American Bible Company who oh, let yes, them do all the
2: filming. Absolutely. And uh, I'm amazed they got away with
1: yeah, it. Exactly. And then there's the uh, there's that uh, even very early on, I think that that comes across. Uh, I think it's like about five minutes into the film. Actually, we will um, uh, watch that clip right now, uh, where the uh, basically a sales director is is trying to give him a, a pep talk about selling the Bible <laughs> I know, by it by wonderful? telling him that half of you know, uh, you know you see some empty seats here because some of them just didn't make the grade and they've been even used the word eliminated. I know. And then people later on in the film. Um, Having to, you know, get up and say, okay, no, I will manage to sell, you know, I will make $35,000 and I will make $50,000, which these days, you know, multiply that by seven. That's what you're basically talking about. I
2: mean, that's a lot of Bibles.
1: That's a lot of Bibles. That's a lot of Bibles. That's a lot of Bibles. So uh, let's let's, uh, watch the clip.
3: It's a fabulous business. It's a good business. All I can say to people who aren't making the money, it's their fault. Just keep that in mind. The money is out there and go out and get it. I, for one, am sick and tired of haggling with you people and pleading with you to get you to do what's good for you and what's good for us. Instead of Friday and Saturday, instead of goofing off or playing gin rummy or poker, which I think is all very important, <laughs> uh, I think somebody in that territory should go out See if this church is in a good neighborhood, or if it's in a Skid Row neighborhood. Meet the priest, and if you're going to have a problem, (coughs) sit in time to let us know so we can get another church. You would double your earnings, we would double our volume, and we'd all be a lot better off. Maybe you see some missing faces here. We eliminated a few men, not because we were mad at them, not because we didn't like them, and not because we didn't need the few sales that they made but it's a question of the sour apple spoiling the barrel. Certain guys have a habit of getting a couple of beers and flying off the handle and badging people around and throwing their weight around. I wanna go on record and I wanna tell you all, the next man that gets off base with me, I'm gonna tag him out. The ball game's over. You've got a job to do and you go out and you do it. I thank you very much. I thank you for coming and for listening.
1: So as you can see from that uh, clip that um, uh, this, as you say, this isn't about religion, this isn't really it's not about Bibles. It's about a, uh, uh, an America that's uh, in, in transition, if you will, hating yes. America yes. and this happens every you know whatever the cycles are, 20, 30, 50 years, but that that, that happens. Um, so uh, quite uh, I mean even even there's even the one scene where they're talking about uh, I think and we're going to get to Mr. Brennan here uh who uh, talks about uh, you know he described to one of the guys when he was like a cub salesman basically that uh, you know this is a fringe market that they're in and that was nine years prior now he's like the they talks about the fringe with the surrey on top Absolutely. it's sort of an oklahoma reference you know there really yeah just a, yeah and uh, uh how they're not even they're not even fringe anymore and they're still <laughs> trying to sell the and the, the only market left out there are these poor you know these people who are just struggling to get by every week to yeah. you know to scrape a, a, a dollar
2: i know. mean i mean it is it, you're, you're, it's interesting you said that because they do describe themselves as on the fringe and uh they They seem a strangely um the coherent group mm. you know that no. they it's touching the way they're yeah. kind of, they kind of understand each other yeah. you know through mm-hmm. these kind of rather limited meal exchanges you know yeah. that uh, um there's a wonderful scene, I don't know if you remember where um I think it's Paul Brennan's describing mm. the team. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. He's describing the different mm. characteristics of the different yeah. members of the team, yeah and um there's a lot of insight into that you know they they've worked beside each other they know they yeah. know who's strong at different things you know who's strong at at getting in the door who's mm. strong at making the final sale who's yeah. strong at chatting up the the housewife who's yeah. strong at talking to the the husband yeah you know it's um they've sort of worked it out but they really are a kind of a little bit of a no-hopers, the whole lot of them. I mean, they're straight yeah. out of Flannery O'Connor. Would you agree? You know, they're, sort
1: of- <laughs> they're they are uh, Death of a Salesman. I mean, just yeah. think all oh, your yeah. great, you know, yeah. they are the they're almost the flip side to the the to the coin that is about the Great American Dream. That's you know, right. That's um, right. and it references quite a bit. Uh, Paul references his brother, who uh, seemingly went to MIT, um, uh, or whether he existed or not, I don't know, but certainly could have done. But uh, you right. know. You know, there's this whole bit, the sort of theme that runs through about um, should have been a pet policeman. Well,
2: you know, this is this is one of the this is what it's really about. You see, I think this film it's about um, Paul Brennan, and it's interesting. The Meisel brothers, you know, they were going to film the whole team, yeah, and give equal time to the team and Mm -hmm. focus on the team. But as it turned out, Paul Brennan became the the one the camera went for. You know, the camera was attracted mm-hmm. to him, and he was good value on camera. But he really is a character study in in uh, in, in I don't know. I was going to say a wasted life. I don't mean it as brutal as that mm. but there's a great sense of disappointment. and it wouldn't surprise me actually if the backstory is that his brother was very successful mm. and he ended up door to door because there's this kind of almost and it's a very Irish thing yeah I, mean, I think it's very this kind of melancholic dip yeah into sort of self-pity, self-parody um you know, so there's 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 an awful lot to Brennan um. And I think the Meisel brothers were very wise to really just, just let the camera roll with him.
1: And am I right that this was really meant to be an homage to their hometown? They had started becoming sort of a bit famous. Uh, they had followed the Beatles around on the first tour of, uh, of the, the United States. And uh, they wanted to go back to where they were from. And, uh, and, that's, and that's how the film happened. Uh, I
2: absolutely. Think. I mean, the Meisel brothers are really interesting. They grew up in a part of Boston which was mostly Irish Catholic yeah. And they said that their father was the only Jewish employee <laughs> at the local whatever it was. <laughs> um, but the Meisel brothers um, were quite well educated, um, but they ended up, both of them, door-to-door salesmen. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So that, so they, they, they were selling cosmetics and various other things. Mm. I mean, they were just bumming around, I yeah. guess, because they didn't know what they wanted to do. And then... Um, I think I'm right in saying Albert uh, started getting into cinematography more. I mean, they mm. they both sort of were interchangeable. But the first film which came to notice, which, which certainly I think references the 1960s, is a film called Primary, mm. where Albert covers uh, the then unknown uh, yeah. John F. Kennedy. Right. In a primary in, I think, Wisconsin. I, have, and I think I've seen this. What actually. was the name of it? Hubert, uh, Hubert Humphrey. That's right. He was yeah. the opponent. And um, it's when you watch it, you'll see traces of the kind of technique that they later developed. But then after that, you're right, we had um, the film about the first and probably the best film ever made about the Beatles, which they did. Uh, which the Beatles come to the United States and it caught the Beatles just at that moment of euphoric mm. and there's also something the American dream you know you can mm. achieve anything yeah. you can come to America and be anything yeah. and then we have Salesman, which is the dark darker side of the American financial dream and then we have Gimme Shelter mm. which i think is probably the best testament of the ending of the 1960s mm. you know the really the end of the the glitter and the and it ends in a very nasty well, there's killing the, the homicide yeah caught on yeah. camera yeah, yeah. Uh, and then a couple of years later we have Grey Gardens and I think the name is so symptomatic of what that film's about because it's really, it's not for nothing that we have a distant and it is a distant relative of Jackie Kennedy yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Uh, who's going a bit crazy in her own house with her yeah, <laughs> and equally crazy I, I, grandmother. I, I, if, you, if you haven't
1: seen it, you've got to watch it. I I've, no. i saw it a few years ago. It's, it's, it's amazing.
2: Yeah, yeah, but those films, I mean, if, if we just stop there, those films have charted, mm-hmm. um, uh, as documented uh, a history of the United States. You just need to watch those films. Filmed, you'll yeah. see everything you know the ascent yeah. the descent, what was really going on how how how, even because you know hindsight's a wonderful thing and nostalgia and the way people talk about the 60s now but for anybody who was living in the 60s it was just it was like the salesman yeah i think not yeah, that I, I was that old but. because and
1: then and then you can bring it to, then there's the relevance to modern day i mean here uh we're in we're still in the midst of a, probably one of the longest economic booms in American history. The 60s was a time of economic booms. Right. And yet, they're going into these people's houses and reasonably, you know, I mean, actually by world standards, these people seem to be living pretty well. But it's, it's kind of this thing that I, I caught out of this it was sort of the, the stretch to, get yeah. to achieve, to achieve yeah. the American dream. Yeah. You know, they're probably, they're basically indebted to the hilt, I think, these oh, people. Totally. Just to keep mm. things up to a certain level.
2: And that, I, you know, I, I totally agree, and and that's one of the most shocking things. The the thing about Salesman is that it's a documentary in black and white, and most people grew up watching on the in the Europe in Europe watching American films in Technicolor, mm. Doris Days and Rock Hudsons and all, and everybody living your age, every, yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> on, on 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 a podcast, that's okay, um, but. Everybody lived in a big house. Yeah. Everybody had a nice big car. Everybody had a picket fence. And everybody mm. had these luxurious kitchens mm. and everybody lived like. Well, watch salesmen. Yeah. I mean, as you say, people are just scratching it. I mean, you know, like that poor guy who's sell, buying the Bible and then he has to go off and do his shift somewhere.
1: Sanitation,
2: yeah. was it? He works in the sanitation no, there's, department. There
1: was one in sanitation, but then the other guy was going off. He had a shift at, at midnight.
2: Yeah. Probably and, doing something and, pretty. Yeah. And, hard you know whatever yeah. it was and and these, these, but and also G, G, the other thing which I find really amazing which yeah. is which is a which is a thing of the 1960s to now but these men are probably in their 40s to 50s yeah and to our eyes they look I don't know about you they look ancient.
1: Yeah, you know, they. Yeah. And
2: everybody in the film looks ancient. Yeah. You know, even people who are probably women who are in their twenties look yeah. really old. Everybody looks
1: well. Tired. I was there's that one family yeah. right at the end that has the. Uh, they're in their living room, and it's um, um, the sales. I forget which salesman's taking Paul Brennan with him to get him a little spark. He's
2: McDevitt.
1: It's I think it's McDevitt. Yeah, yeah. and uh, they're talking to this. <laughs> cul- and I looked at him, and, and I was like, that guy looks like he's. The father looks middle-aged. The mother looks middle-aged. Yet they've got these, and it's this is pre waiting till late in life to have children. America. Oh. <laughs> this is these are these are probably people in their early thirties, yeah. but they look like they're yeah could be close to fifty.
2: Isn't it frightening? Yeah, but I think it was so funny that scene. You know, with makes Mick, taking... ticking. Brennan on the road to get get his pep back. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, get you know, his mojo back. Yeah. Well, you know, Brennan was like a sort of wet weekend in the corner. You know, I mean, he's just hopeless. <laughs> Brennan, you
1: know, would you would would you buy you wouldn't buy water from from Brennan in the, would, if you were I, in the desert? I wouldn't you know? let him in the house. Yeah, <laughs> he's just he just has this black
2: cloud oh, hovering over asleep, him. But he was also he was kind of emoting. Yeah. You know, yeah. Do you know those pathetic scenes playing with the children or yeah. and then he'd start singing or he'd do his impressions of the Irish oh, yeah, washerwoman yeah, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, the guy. I mean, I mean, I have to say, it's probably quite sad that uh, and shortly after that, I believe he, he his marriage collapsed. Okay, and he gave up Bible seals. Yeah, you know that he he ended had, up selling yes. roofing or something. Siding, which is siding. It, well, it, I don't even know what that is. What is uh, siding?
1: Siding is something very, uh, very uh, American, especially in the Northeast. Uh, you have these lovely houses uh, with uh, sort of a. A cedar wood tile, almost like the uh, best way I can describe it for our aud- uh, listeners here in in Europe, certainly. Uh, but instead of being happy and painting that, why would you have to paint your house every five years when you can put aluminum or aluminium uh, siding mm. or now even like UPVC mm. plastic that looks like wood? Oh, wow but never has to be painted. Do you know
2: where I can get some?
1: Well, uh, I think uh, probably Paul Brennan still has some old mates that are I'm afraid,
2: around. <laughs> I'm afraid. It must be very old mates. <laughs> Poor old Paul. I'm afraid yeah. he died an alcoholic in yeah. 1990. Well, I know the... Uh,
1: who's am not surprised. Actually. Who's the... Because uh, uh, he, he was part of a... Well... A bit of a side story. I think uh, who's the great film critic at the New York Times? Pauline Keel. Yeah, or Kael or yeah, Nobody who, quite knows how to pronounce who it. Who went to you know basically said oh, this geez. was all a ruse and yeah. it was she uh, was all a ruse. Yeah, well, well yeah, she's and <laughs> she's
2: a uh, <the> big contract.
1: <laughs> and uh, basically said, well, you've set this all up. This isn't real, yeah. you know,
2: which is rubbish. It I is. mean, you know, the Meisel brothers are are are, are were were. were And I'll tell you what they were, and what she didn't get, was they were so far ahead of their their time. They set the template for the rest, Mm. Uh, you know. They really did, I mean, the way that you can see the influence even today in in filmmakers.
0: You're listening to Factual America. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Alamo Pictures to keep up to date with new releases and upcoming shows. Check out the show notes to learn more about the program, our guests, and the team behind the production, and now back to Factual America.
1: Welcome back to Factual America, uh, Kevin. When we uh, just before the break, we were talking. You were talking about uh, where the sort of the the Meisel brothers, what they were all about with their filmmaking. I mean, uh, uh, many people would say we're in a we're currently in a golden age of documentary filmmaking. Yes, Certainly probably. from a financial standpoint, I mean, we know about sort of eight of the top. 20 or 50 grossing films of all time, documentary films all even came out just in 2018. Yeah. Uh, but how does this, I mean, they 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 obviously owe a lot to people like the Meisel Brothers. And how does that, how do they fit into the, all this? I mean, what, what is the, what do the cur- current crop of documentarians owe to the Meisel Brothers, would you say?
2: Well, I think, um, I mean, obviously, the Meisel brothers had a great influence in terms of style and documentary style. Yeah. But I think what they also did um, was that they moved documentaries out of a sort of ghetto. Mm. Um, documentaries before the 1960s were generally public information films or right, right. sort of strange films. They were, they were not really valued in the same way feature films were. Mm. And I think the Meisel brothers showed that you can have just as much storytelling, just as much insight into, and maybe more, into current cultures through the documentary form. I think then that documentaries probably started to find their feet again around the start of the century. Mm. I think they moved into a different different strain with people like Michael Moore. And I think what that was, was also a time when in uh, literature... We had uh, creative nonfiction, an explosion mm-hmm. of that. And also, <clears throat> you've always had something in American journalism which yeah. finally started getting uh, transposed onto the screen, which was the idea of long form nonfiction. Right. right. Which, uh, you know, magazines it's in the States like The New Yorker or mm-hmm. Atlantic yep. or Esquire yeah. or GQ, they, these pioneered this. So, for example, I don't know if you're familiar with the writings of somebody like Gay Talese.
1: Yes, yeah, right.
2: definitely. So, you know, the world that he inhabits right. is is the salesman. It's that similar it's type of 1960s kind of, you know, Frank Sinatra has a cold type world.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it gets back to that old adage, uh, truth is stranger than fiction. Always. Many times. Always. Always. And in that sense, more more
2: entertaining. You, you, I mean, you couldn't, I mean, if an actor had done Paul Brennan on the salesman,
1: Get Liam Neeson to try to do that. Yeah, but it wouldn't it wouldn't have been as
2: good. And and, and the other thing is that I mean, I know uh, people say that, you know, the sin of documentarians is when they set things up. I don't think any of this was set up. But it, it is it is a weakness that people can fall into. But sometimes what they're just doing, and I think the Miser brothers did this very well, is they just turn the camera on. Yeah. And whether it's Paul Brennan or oh. the ladies in Grey Gardens, yeah. or the Rolling Stones in yeah. Gimme Shelter, or the Beatles in, in, in the films, or Kennedy in primary, they just they just they just speak that you know the camera doesn't lie and and people expose themselves on screen in documentaries in a way that actors never do.
1: And what do you think the Basel Brothers were trying to achieve with with Salesman? I mean, we talked you know. about an homage to Boston or what, but what what was, you know, or did they have or did they just want to document? Is that are they pure documentarians? Do you think and that they just wanted to have a piece that lasted uh, that would be a bit of you know almost a historical document.
2: I, I I don't know if they thought that far ahead. I think that there's an element of the Meisel brothers that was as much a huckster as the the characters in Salesman. Mm. Interesting. I mean, the other thing, the person that needs to be mentioned is Charlotte Zawin. Yeah. I think that's yeah. how you pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, I think it is. Um, and she was their kind of editor and... Um, you know, it was a three, a three, three-person team. You know, she would it's do true. the editing, it's and the Maisel brothers would be on the road doing. Yeah. I mean, there's no way in in those days that you were going to have somebody like Charlotte Zowen hanging out with these four salesmen in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. The Maisel brothers could just mold in with these people. Mm. They were all from Boston. They all knew each other. They knew this world. Mm. But I think what the Maisel brothers had is that journalistic technique, mm. which is when you when you can sniff a good story. Yeah, yeah. And they were able to do that on screen and they yeah. were able to capture it. The, so they just, they always let the camera roll just a little mm. bit longer. So, you know, the scene we we're talking about with McDevitt, where he yeah. brings Brennan in and he's trying yeah. to pep him up. Yeah. Well, the, the beauty was that, you know, that final bit when they pack up Yeah. and Brennan stands up yeah. and he says he needs to, and, and McDevitt says he needs he to give a little, him a charge. Yeah. And, he's, and he, he says, what is it?
1: Now, sometimes you need an explosion. <laughs>
2: That's right, you know? But it's just that moment uh-huh. which gives you the depth of despair. That this this man is feeling. So it's that ability just to wait. I think the greatest gift for any documentarian is patience. If you yeah. hang around long enough, yeah. people will say everything. The same is true in interviewing. I'm sure yeah. you find this when you interview people. Yeah, it's it's often what they're saying as you're leaving the room.
1: Oh, indeed. Um, interviewing, um, even yeah, I've had some time in the business world, even business meetings. How often the last couple minutes we sometimes are the most productive, you Absolutely. know, you know, that's when someone actually, you hear something, you get a lead that you didn't even, you know, that someone mentions a name that, wait a minute, who's that? And, uh, you know, you get to, you get that, that's, that makes that meeting worth it. You Absolutely. Know, you know, Um. You, so, so Kevin, you're originally from Ireland, right? Mm-hmm. Whereabouts?
2: Northern Ireland. Oh, where? Uh, near Belfast.
1: Okay. Um. There is an Irish element to this this oh film. undoubtedly and then there's o- and there's obviously the Irish American I- Ireland and the United States uh, links and uh, I mean maybe you can say a little bit more about about that I mean how does it now in 2019 watching this from 1969 so 50 years on um, I mean, another part of America that doesn't exist. All this references to ethnicity. Exactly. And
2: doesn't exist. Yeah, you know, doesn't exist. So, that, I mean, that was a deliberate uh, sort of ploy in the in the late '60s, early '70s, where um, formerly neighborhoods known as Irish, Polish, Italian, mm. whatever, whatever, no. were just uh, homogenized white. Yeah. And black, and that, that was how that it was a, it was a partly a way of, mm. so so um, Americans today probably I don't know would they refer themselves I mean Brennan talks to himself as being Irish and his mother was English yes. and, and this and I'm not I mean you know you probably I don't know how many generations back they they were going but um, but in Brennan you have uh, what the quintessential Irishness is the uh, the melancholy yeah. And that comes across very, very strongly. And um, he's a very recognizable Irish type right? with with a bit of American gloss, Yeah. even though his mother's English. But what you also have, I guess, is a universal type, which is um, a man in midlife who yeah. hasn't achieved what he wanted to achieve. And yeah. that's true of most people's lives. I don't know anybody yeah. who thinks, well, I've achieved everything I need. But yeah. um, in Brennan's case, it's particularly um well observed. And I think as well, I don't know if you think being away from home yeah. in a in a cheap motel room in Florida, the whole thing is kind of slightly more exaggerated. Yeah. You know, with these dodgy Bible
1: salesmen. <laughs> well, he even says he's homesick and he, they say, well, you've only been away four days <laughs> well, the, or something like that. But I think
2: he is. Well, you, 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 up to a point of truth yeah. was his wife left him during yeah. this. So uh, <laughs> he can't have been that homesick. Well, I, 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 think, I, think he's, I think he's homesick for something. I, I
1: agree. I think I he's, agree,
2: yeah. he's, he's lamenting something. Yeah. And even the, the, the singing of the Irish songs when he's driving around, they're all the kind of maudlin, miserable, which Ireland does the best. You know, that yeah. sort of, everything is, I mean, what you you're seeing is this man trying to be upbeat for the camera and really in some kind of breakdown actually he's having some kind of breakdown on screen but it's a slow burn
1: you can see that because it's in the faces of the the other salesmen he's just like they're, they're sitting in a room with him and they just have this they're just like you know they don't know what to do they don't know what to say this guy's obviously losing it yeah. you know and yeah. uh yeah, and then following him driving around and uh he's got uh fiddler on the roof on the radio and you know and he's saying if i were a rich man i wouldn't be in the shit land you know kind of <laughs> i think it's the, this, right. what he says you know he's it's just constant you know it's just a constant stream of melancholy and dissatisfaction and you know depression
3: i'll try this one maybe mrs so Right. Wished I was a rich man I wouldn't be going on this shit land Oh, shut the window now Let's see where i am going next Get another one of these beauties Mrs. Rafferty I don't know if Mrs. Rafferty will be home But I know I'm not home we Are you selling anything? No, we're not selling anything the Irish fight with the English. And it comes kind of right down to it makes no difference to me. Because the English are not paying me bills. And the Irish are taking away from me. Yep. Ah, here's
1: another one here that's a little yeah, blitzy.
3: Today. Kiple, the I'm you that I'm here.
1: yeah that's a that's a that's a great clip isn't it oh, yeah. um, I, I think um i mean as we've said this is not about bible sailing, and this is the really this is a story about one one man and why do you think the the meisel brothers settled on on paul brennan yeah
2: well i think if, if you look at the others um Something you were alluding to earlier, I think, Matthew, which is that Brennan is the most intelligent of them all, mm. and he understands the despair of the yeah. situation they're in. Yeah. Because do you remember the the younger one with the bow tie?
1: Uh, the the rabbit. rabbit. The rabbit. Baker. Yeah. yeah,
2: I mean, the rabbit has no kind of insight. You know, when he's dealing with people, <laughs> <laughs> he's like <laughs> as thick as two you know short planks. You know, he doesn't get it. You know, yeah. and all he's doing is getting the seal. McDavid is the bull, and he's the slower he just mm. blunders in and blunders out and it's like so what whereas I think somebody like Brennan um, he understands and and the guy in charge is straight out of a kind of central casting isn't oh, yeah. he you know, yeah. he's like he's like a sort of sub John Wayne and he's ordering uh, them about yeah, and we're going to make a sale and yeah. and I think it's hilarious you know the training training uh, scene they yeah. do in Florida where the, yeah. the, the supervisor takes <laughs> yes, them <through. laughs> I mean, it's just yeah. crazy so I think Brennan was the smartest I think he was the most intelligent but that, that was his downfall he could actually see that this was is just such a you know and, and how did I get into this d- well yeah. yeah and I mean there's there's I mean it's interesting I, I I read a quote the New York Times film reviewer at the time went three times to see this film and he said it got better every time and every yeah. time I've watched it it does get better you see things yeah. you start to piece together the backstory um, and that's that's the true the true documentary and that what's on display is only part of the what's really there yeah
1: and i think that's uh it's a it's a lovely piece of of filmmaking it's it's aged very well um you know it wasn't they, they i actually came across a, the Muzzle brothers were on um on david letterman in the early 80s Were they and mainly cuz he wanted to talk to him about uh, give me shelter and then all sure. the uh, they they funded all this by by making uh, commercials yeah, so Alka-Seltzer, they were going on about Alka-Seltzer and Cat Chow and all these sort of, uh, uh, these advertisements that they, that they made. But uh, it is a, you know, it, it definitely tests the, you know, stands the test of time. Uh, that and their other films that we've we've made mention to today. And I think anyone who's um, interested in documentary filmmaking, the United States... Uh, and just, or even just Bibles uh, or just Bibles indeed <laughs> or sales you know if they want some how sales techniques <laughs> and how not to do it and not how just to sign mo- here ha- not how to make friends and not how to <laughs> influence people uh, and it's worth it just for this one sec- scene where he's driving through Opalaca, Florida which was very I mean, I didn't
2: even know this place existed. No, it looked like something out of a film set that had been left behind.
1: Well, it partly was. It was, a, was it? A, a, not quite a film set, but a, a rich man, obviously, decided he wanted to go with Moorish architecture. But what was amazing about this, he's driving around, and he's saying the names of places, and they're the names that you heard about... From Iraq and, yes. and Afghanistan. Sinbad, Sesame, Baghdad, yeah. Kandahar. Yeah, you know. But then, but then like,
2: I, I don't know if he was joking when he said yeah. later, and they said, well, How did you do? And he said, Well, I was in a Muslim area. <laughs> yes. I mean, he wasn't in a Muslim area. No, was just no. Some crazy guy's streets, yeah. but it was sort of his way of. Uh, yeah. But I don't know why he was joking at that point. But yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Well, Kevin, it's been a joy having you. On, on the show. Thanks, Thank you. Thanks for kicking things off. Thanks no. for being a guinea pig. No, I'm you, always, always happy. You look like to you've eat, survived eat, it. But uh, let us know how you are doing in a couple of days, uh, how the tests run. And uh, uh, we'd like love to have you on certainly for our 100th podcast. No, um, no chance. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep that in mind. Um, so, all of you listening at home, thanks for joining us. Um, please let your friends and family know about us. Um, like us or uh, share us via the uh, Apple podcast. And uh, thank you for, again, for joining us. And uh, this is um, Factual America signing off.
0: You've been listening to Factual America. This podcast is produced by Alamo Pictures, specializing in documentaries, television and shorts about the USA for international audiences. Head on down to the show notes for more information about today's episode, our guest and the team behind the podcast. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Alamo Pictures to be the first to hear about new productions, festivals we're attending and to connect with our team. Our homepage is alamopictures.co.uk.